Join me, if you would, in the book of Revelation, Revelation chapter 6, Revelation chapter 6, and we want to spend a little time tonight on this, on this fifth seal. This is the first seal that is open that is not introduced by one of the four living creatures. And uh, just as the four living creatures have something to say about four aspects of the gospel, and uh, I just can't help but think that they don't represent, in some capacity at least, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, as we find them in the Scripture. And all of those books share something about the Lord Jesus Christ uh, from just a little bit different perspective. Even the accounts that are identical, there's words that are added that give us a little more perception about what happened. And uh, uh, these four living creatures introduced the first four seals, and under those four seals are the four horsemen of the apocalypse. Now, I can say that because I have a little understanding of what that means. The apocalypse means the revelation of Jesus Christ. It is a light to lighten the Gentiles. And I can't help but believe that every one of those representations of Jesus Christ has not appeared unto his people in regeneration in a capacity that uh, uh, he's a conqueror that goes forth to conquer and he conquers our soul and causes it to be submissive to him and he brings division he does that it's just part of regeneration he's going to bring some of that and uh uh, the rest of those just uh, uh, complement uh, the Lord Jesus in his activity for his sheep. Now, in this fifth seal that is opened, here it says in verse 9, Revelation uh, 6, verse 9, 10, and 11, And when he, and I'm reminded that the Lord is opening these seals because there was no one else that could. No one else in heaven on earth or under the earth that could open these seals now we uh we know that man was created a little lower than the angels and even the most powerful angel could not deal with this situation but the messenger of god the lord jesus the lamb of god could deal with these seals and open them and reveal what was under them and uh, he does that. And when he had opened the fifth seal, John says, I saw. Now, this writing that John left us by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, this was to encourage the saints at that time. When they got this book, when they got this letter, when it was given to them, when they received this writing from John, the Lord intended for it to be a letter of encouragement. And if we veer from that premise, if we veer from that standard and try to make it something that it is not, that it is less than encouragement, that it is speculation, then we've lost our perspective on this book. And we need to go back, just like we saw there with the Corinthians, that they lost their perspective on Christ, and when they were, go if they were ever going to have those things straightened up, they must have their perspective of Christ straightened up. So let's just keep that perspective here about 
this book. It is a book of encouragement. It was an encouragement to the saints under severe persecution in that day and time, whether it was Roman persecution, whether it was Greek persecution, whatever persecution it is, in whatever uh, age that persecution took place, this book is a book of encouragement. And every time we find a great, almost tragedy, we're going to find a great Savior delivering his people from that almost tragedy. Uh, the man of sin may be identified. The greatest man of sin I ever have to deal with is right here. And if it's ever going to be overcome, he must do it. And we're going to look a, bit, a little bit at that tonight. John saw and then he was told to write words of encouragement to those who were recipients of this letter and all the saints till this time. So these are words. I saw, it tells us there, I saw under the altar the souls of them that were slain for the word of God and for the testimony which they held. And they cried with a loud voice, saying, How long, O Lord, holy and true, dost thou not judge and avenge our blood on them that dwell on the earth? And white robes were given unto every one of them. And it was said unto them that they should rest yet for a little season. Now this truly, they entered into their Sabbath. They should rest for a little season until their fellow servants also and their brethren that should be killed as they were should be fulfilled. Now, the Lord mentions to this group of people that John saw that are under the altar. Now, this is their spirits, just men made righteous. This is their spirits. So they had the form, uh, a spirit form. That was there. Their body was left in this earth. It's, it's moldering in the soil. But their spirit was present there. And they were cognizant of what was going around them and on around them. And they spoke in this manner. And uh, they understood as the Lord spoke that there would not be a judgment upon all those that took their lives until the last sheep was saved. And then it would happen. Now, there is no life, spiritually speaking, there is no life until there is a death. There is no life until there is a death. We have yet to understand the totality of the fall in Adam. And any any semblance of life in Adam must be slain. It must be taken care of. And that's where we, we run into, and I, I like the term that I heard down in Florida, spiritual zombies. People that have been made to appear as alive and yet have never been regenerated. They've been made to appear that they have been given spiritual life, but they are, they've never been regenerated. They're still in death. Now, I want you to turn with me, if you would, back to the words of Hannah. 
over in the book of 1 Samuel. Well, I want to speak a little bit tonight about these souls that were slain for the word of God and for the testimony. And as you turn to 1 Samuel chapter 2, I want to say this, that uh, we would not even venture to guess the numbers of God's people that were killed for their faith. I wouldn't even venture to guess how many today, this day, somewhere in the world, but the, to, to just venture to guess the numbers of people, God's people, God lovers, that's lives, and we're not going to say we're cut short, <laughs> because they were not, whose lives were taken by divine appointment by someone that hated them. The Lord Jesus spoke about it during his time. It's recorded in the Old Testament, in the prophets, in those days. It was recorded in Saul. Paul of uh, Paul the Apostle confessed that he had been used to slay the saints of the Lord Jesus during his time. And he didn't even feel like he was could be part of the body of Christ because of the destruction that he uh, caused and, and the death that he caused uh, to the saints of the living God. But it, the numbers, and it's there's books that record that, Fox's Book of Martyrs and Martyr's Mirror and all these, the records that, are, that have been kept of these accounts, they pale compared to the numbers of people that are actually slain. And uh, there's been how many others that never went through a martyr's death they never were slain they did die of old age john barrage who wrote that song that i'd like to learn how the tune of that we started tonight and many others who lived a life a full life and god took them in their old age and they never were martyred they never were slain and i i find that issue when we're going to get a little farther about those who were beheaded uh, for the cause of Christ. Well, these are all, they've all died, and they're all given white robes, and they're all under the altar of God, and they're all crying out uh, that uh, God would punish the sinners in this world, those that are without Christ. And just wait, wait till all of them, all of you are home. Wait till all of you are home. That's essentially what it's saying, and then I'll take care of it. But there is no life in anybody until there's first to death now turn as you notice here in first uh, samuel chapter 2 hannah shares with us some wonderful information about the subject and she is in a prayer she's praying to god and she realizes that god has a great deal of ability god is a great god he's a sovereign lord and he has the ability of slaying and making alive. Now, he, she goes down through a list here, and she's led by the Holy Spirit to say this. She's making a confession of faith about herself, but this is a confession of faith that the Holy Spirit gave her. This is words of the Holy Spirit with regard to everyone that God would ever save. There is going to be a death before I ever create life. I will not let the old man inherit the kingdom of God. The old man must be slain, must be killed, and God's in charge of it. 
We wouldn't do it to ourselves, but he is in charge of it. And as a result of slaying the old man, he gives life. He creates life. Now notice these words here. Verse 1, and Hannah prayed and said, My heart rejoiceth in the Lord. My horn is exalted in the Lord. My mouth is enlarged over mine enemies because I rejoice in my salvation. Now notice verse 6. The Lord killeth. Now, some people want to turn this around and say, uh, The Lord maketh alive and then he killeth. <laughs> but this is correct. The Lord killeth and maketh alive. He bringeth down to the grave and bringeth up. The Lord maketh poor and maketh rich. He bringeth low and he lifteth up. He raiseth up the poor out of the dust and lifteth up the beggar from the dunghill to set among them among princes and to make them inherit the throne of glory for the pillars of the earth are the Lord's and he has set the world upon them. Now, Hannah is thanking God for a child. <laughs> That's essentially why she's praying. She's She's been barren, and she has a child, and his name is Samuel, and she's thanking the Lord for that child. But in the midst of her prayer, the Holy Spirit gives to us some tremendous information about our position in the Lord Jesus Christ, and that everyone that is ever going to be a spirit before God under his altar, crying, we've been killed, have been killed by God. He must come upon us and he must slay us. He must, what's it say? The Lord killeth and maketh alive. Now he's the one that brings us down and he's the one that brings us up. We're not involved in this process. In fact, we're doing all we can to pump life into this dead man. We're promoting him. We're religiousizing him. We're trying to exercise him. We're trying to get him to do everything that God requires and God's way of dealing with the issue is, I must kill him. I must kill the old man. I must kill the nature given to you by Adam. Now, we carry around the flesh, and God never said he's going to save the flesh. He will deal with that in the resurrection. He'll give us a new body like unto his body. And that's not what we're talking about. But we're talking about that spirit spirit that's within us that's dead in trespasses and sin and god must make us dead so he can raise us to newness of life now turn with me if you would to job 5 job chapter 5 as we look at this these are saints under the altar of god they're in the presence of the lord they've all been killed now many of them have been martyrs but a martyr is a witness we have used the word martyr, which means witness, to mean those whose lives have been taken for the cause of Christ, because they confess Christ. They've been martyrs. But a martyr is a witness. And every blood-bought believer in Christ Jesus is a witness of his resurrecting power and of his death-making power. He has the power to kill and he has the power to make alive and when he kills he will give life he's never killed anybody that he didn't give life to those without christ he just never deals with them 
They'll have the general call. They'll have the preaching. They may hear the preaching and not pay any attention or whatever, whatever, whatever. But when he deals with his sheep, he's going to kill them, but he's going to give them life. He's going to breathe into their spiritual nostrils the breath of life, and they shall become a living spirit. It's going to pass beyond the mode of just a soul. They're going to be given a, the spirit of new creation in Christ Jesus. And when we pass from this life to the next, until the end comes, we will be uh, spirits, just, justified spirits, just men made perfect, sitting under the throne and altar of God, worshiping him with our spirit, waiting to the day that he will raise us and raise our bodies and reunite us, but we'll be there waiting. There's no such thing as soul sleep. The Lord Jesus, through the Apostle Paul, said, to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. And if we're sitting under his altar, under his throne, and praising him, waiting for that time when we'll be reunited with our body, we're going to be worshiping him. That's going to be the first true worship we've ever enjoyed because we won't have sin afflicting it. That's our worship time, our all to worship him. Now, we, we make every effort. God help us to worship him. We must worship him in spirit and in truth. That's not something that we do with the flesh. The flesh profiteth nothing. There is no good in our flesh to worship God. He, it's just a tent that we're traveling through this world in. But our spirit's going to worship God. That created spirit, he's killed the old man so he can create the new man. Now, Job, turn with me here, if you would, to the book of Job, chapter 5 and verse 18. This is an encouragement to find out that all of God's people, every one of them, is given a white robe. Every one of them. It's an encouragement to find out that even though we may pass through the fire and not come out on the other end, that God has so uh, blessed us to be in the, his presence and to know his worth and to worship him, and to know of a surety that there will be a time when all that was sin will be put away, and we'll be in the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ for eternity, and we'll find in just a short time in the book of Revelation, will be no more tears. No more. All right. I'm at Job chapter 5. I hope you are. Verse 18. Would you read there with me? For he make a sore and bindeth up, he woundeth, and his hands make whole. Oh, he's going to make sore. He's going he's gonna to wound. The sword of the Spirit is going to accomplish his task. The sword of the Spirit will kill so that he can give life. Those that were there had died, yet they're alive. Those that are there were dead by God's decree, and they may have passed through the fire, and they may have they have may have given their lives, but there's going to be a multitude that are there that didn't uh, die a quote unquote martyr's death, and they're going to have the same privilege to praise Almighty God and to be giving a robe of righteousness that no man can take away. We're given that now. Then it's, it's going to be so apparent because we won't have any knowledge of sin. Now, 
Turn with me, if you would, to Hosea. Hosea chapter 6. Hosea chapter 6. This is a miracle of grace. Oh, that God would condescend to come down and slay some so he can breathe into their nostrils the breath of life. That he would come and slay his sheep. That he would put them to death so he could raise them to newness of life. That he would he would just do that. Oh, Adam, he was so wicked. I, I just, you know, we, sometimes we, we almost treat him like on some of those cop shows. We, we're almost rooting for the, for the outlaw. They, they twist it so much that you're almost rooting for the wrong people. And we're almost rooting for Adam. And God's never rooted for Adam. He, oh, Adam was wicked when he disobeyed God. It was, a, it was a purposeful disobedience. It was a whole knowledge disobedience. There are times we've disobeyed God without all the knowledge that we needed. But he had all the knowledge he needed. He knew what he was going to do. And he took the human race into a death that is not resurrectable by man. Religion can't even put a shine on it. They can't even make it look good. Though we try. But the Lord Jesus raises the dead. But in order to do that, he's got to kill the old man. He's got to put it to death. And we're going to find out that the old man was slain in Christ on the cross. The old man went to the cross in Christ. And he put to death the old man. And the church has just said, I knew there was something happened. Ah, he dealt with me a death blow. But in a death blow, he gave me life. All right, here in Hosea, Hosea chapter 6. Hosea chapter 6 and verse 1. Come, let us return unto the Lord. Hosea chapter 6, verse 1. Come, let us return unto the Lord, for he hath torn, and he will heal us. He has smitten, and he will bind us up. After two days will he revive us, and in the third day he will raise us up, and we shall live in his sight. Well, we're approaching Easter, and that's just a beautiful Easter message right there. Yeah, after three days he'll raise us up. We were killed in Christ. We died in Adam. We were killed in Christ. We were taken down in Adam. We were raised up in Christ. We were killed uh, we died in Adam, but we're killed in Christ. He, he does a death blow. Man, he severs the head. He takes off old, the head of Adam and enjoins us to Christ. He grafts us into Christ. He puts us into Christ. He places us into Christ. He gives us a resurrected spirit. We died and it was buried. For that part that God left in us, the old man is buried, buried and far away, taken away, moved away, and he, we're raised in newness of life. Turn with me, if you would, to John 5. The Lord Jesus mentions here about this death. There's many that are dead. He's going to raise. John chapter 5, and there in verse 25. John chapter 5, verse 25, we read these words. Verily I say unto you, the hour is coming. John 5, 25. 
Verily, verily, amen, amen. So be it, so be it. I say unto you, the hour is coming, and now is, when the dead shall hear the voice of the Son of God, and they that hear shall live. Now, he's going he's to give us a real good example of that. Lazarus, great example of this. But he's not just talking about physical. He's talking about spiritual. He's talking about what he does. The dead shall hear the voice of the Son of God. And what does the voice of the Son of God say? I say unto thee, arise. Dead and unable to raise ourselves from the place that Adam put us in. He put us in a, in a coffin. And that coffin's lid has been nailed shut. And all of the, of the prancing and dancing and goings on of religion just can't open the door. But the Lord Jesus Christ, he does that and he does it to the fullest of capacity and he raises his people. As he says here, the hour is coming and now is when the dead shall hear the voice of the Son of God and they that hear shall live. Turn with me if you would. To the book of Romans, chapter 6. Romans 6. It's all these saints sitting under the throne, under the altar of God. Oh, what an encouragement it was to those saints who were facing the martyr fire. Who were, who were facing the, the, the Roman games. The circus. The, the atrocities that went on. Even in that day, oh, the, the terrible things that were happening to God's people in that day. And the encouragement this letter said, oh my, we're waking up in the presence of the Lord. Every one of the saints, Uncle Pete, he's woke up in the presence of the Lord. It's not as bad as we thought. We'd love to have him around a while longer, but it's not as bad as we thought. Look at where he is and look at what he has seen and look at what he has given and look at what he has promised. I will avenge you, but all my elect will be present before I do. I will avenge you. And at the judgment, he will avenge all those who struck out at God's people. A whole bunch of people, they, they say that about Abraham, that promise given to Abraham over there, who hurts you, I'll hurt them. Oh, it's about the church. You rise up against the body of Christ, I'll rise up against you. It may not be in this life, but it will be in the life to come. I will judge you for this. And the comfort that God's people, God's not forgotten us. God Almighty and his promise to us is quite cognizant of what is happening to us. We and those who have gone on through the fires of martyrdom or just passing uh, away in whatever age, they're in the presence of the Lord. They're viewing him. They're hearing him. They've been, pro even they're promised. Promised. I'll take care of the problem. Promised. All right. Here in the book of Romans chapter 6. Romans chapter 6, verse 6. The Holy Spirit had the Apostle Paul write this. He said, knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him. Oh, i got to kill you. i got to kill you before I can give you life. i got to take you down before I can raise you up. 
I got to strike you before I can heal you. I got to scourge you before I can give you life. I've got, that's the way it is. I will not have any religion complement my salvation. It will not add to. It will not take from. It must be my way or no way. It is so narrow. And this narrow way is I must kill you first. Now on this side of it, we say thank you, Lord. Thank you for your awesome power that you overcame me. I struggled with this. Oh, my. There's more. There is more resistance in regeneration than there ever was in the creation of the heavens and the earth. He's dealing with the old Adamic nature. He's dealing with Adam's. Man. And he overcomes that struggle with, well, he says, I'm conquering and to conquer. Now, notice this. Knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him, that the body of sin might be destroyed. There's not anybody that would vote to keep it. That henceforth, we should not serve sin. Oh, he does, he does, such, a, he does such a righteous job on raising the new creation. We're just, we just got a frail old tent that he didn't do anything to. Now, thank God he does impinge it. Thank God he does restrain it. Thank God he does that. But oh, the new man that he has created, it is in absolute loyalty to God. It is an absolute agreement with his word. There's no discussion when it comes to his word. It is an absolute agreement, perfectly led by the Holy Spirit. That part that God has created, that part that God has resurrected, that part that God has given us. Turn with me, if you would, to the book of Ephesians, chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4, and in this chapter, we find that the Apostle Paul was used to write about the old man and the new man in two different verses, same chapter. Ephesians chapter 4, the old man had to be slain, had to be slain at the cross. The Lord Jesus took that old man, that old nature, that old sin, that uh, everything that would hinder our fellowship with God. And here they are, the saints of the living God underneath the altar of God, seeing God. Dead but alive. Now notice here, Ephesians chapter 4, verse 22. Ephesians 4, verse 22, it says, That ye put off concerning the former conversation the old man, which is corrupt according to the deceitful lusts. And be renewed in the spirit of your mind, and that ye put on the new man, which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. God has given every one of his sheep a new man, a new creation. And this new creation is Perfect in every capacity, created in righteousness and true holiness. And that's the only way that we can obey the words of the Lord when he says, Be ye holy as I am holy. 
Except your righteousness exceed the righteousness of the scribes and Pharisees, you shall in no wise see the kingdom of heaven. How is that accomplished? Right here. A new creation that is in, created in righteousness and true holiness. God creates it in absolute righteousness and true holiness. That's that new man that God has created with us, the new creation. This will not come about as works, by works, through works, any works invested in it. It is a creation. As much as we had to do with the creation of the heavens and the earth is how much we have to do with this new creation. We weren't even present when he created the heavens and the earth. He had all creation taking place when he created man. He had all the critters, all the trees, all the seeds. Everything was done. Well, that's how much we have to do with this new creation. It's a creation that God is involved in. Now, he's taken an old fallen child of Adam, and he's slaying that old man at the cross and placing within that old man that, that frame, that tent. He's placing within that tent a new creation. Paul put it this way. We have this treasure in earthen vessels. And we know how earthen it is. Earthy. And we have this treasure in earthen vessels. We have this new creation in earthen vessels. And then, if you would, Colossians. Colossians. In the book of Colossians, we read these words. Almost along the same guidelines, same thoughts as are presented to the Ephesians. My, what the Ephesians needed, the Philippians and the Colossians needed too, and we need it. Colossians chapter 3. Colossians chapter 3. Colossians chapter 3. And verse 9. Lie not one to another, seeing that ye have put off the old man with his deeds, and have put on the new man, which is renewed in knowledge after the image, image of him that created him. We just can't get away from this word created and creation and new creation when we're talking about regeneration. And creation is only in the hands of the creator. We have... We have not the ability to create. But he has the ability, not only the ability, the desire, and not only the ability and desire, but the purpose to create in all of his lost sheep new life, life from above. In 2 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians chapter 4, back up just a little bit there to 2 Corinthians chapter 4, There's a sense that all of God's elect, of all of Christ died for, and all that the Holy Spirit has sought out and seeking out and will seek out have been killed and killed by God and killed on purpose and killed for their own good. And here, turn uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 4. 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 16. For which cause we faint not, 
But though our outward man perish, yet the inward man is renewed day by day. Renewed day by day. Oh, God's paying special attention to his creation. Just like he's paying special attention to his old creation, to heavens and the earth. Uh, everything's in rotating just fine. Things in order. You can down at the Kennedy Center. It's just amazing that that moon was going to be in the right place at the right time. So when they shot that spaceship up, they could intercept it. You know how they could do that? Because it always does the same thing. He's ruler of heaven and earth. All even all the sunspots. Now, 2 Corinthians chapter 5. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Verse 17. Verse 17. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. New creation. Regeneration brings creation. Regeneration brings spiritual life. It's taking that which was without hope and giving hope. He slew the old man at the cross. We're going to carry around this tent. This tent is just full of dirt. We got a dirt floor. Dirt floor in our tent. Just and every time you sweep, it just gets dirty. But that old, that old man has been slain. We're carrying around the tent. But this new creation, look at this. Look at this with me. Old things are passed away. Now I like what Brother Mahan said about that. Not all old things have passed away. A lot have. Now we're not going through a progressive sanctification. We're sanctified from eternity. I believe in eternal sanctification. We're sanctified in time. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit set his people apart and will be sanctified for eternity. But God in his wondrous purpose of grace by and large restrains much of what we were before he saved us. Now, notice the next part though. Behold, now all things have become new. What is that talking about? Well, when God saves us, regenerates us, we got a new view about God. New view about God. If we still have a view of God about this big, we don't have a new view about God. That's religious view. Oh, he might be as tall as this... this uh, He's going to have to be taller than Goliath. <laughs> but our new view, he's Jehovah God. He's sovereign king. I like what it said over there in the book of Deuteronomy. He's God of gods and Lord of lords. <laughs> he is. Now, we got a new view about God. We got a new view, new view of ourself. My goodness. I've not met a believer yet that's bragging on themselves what they did. 
We got a new view. Now in religion, we kept books. Might have been here, but we kept books. I helped a lady today. <laughs> she just needed some help down there. We're at the shop loading some stuff, and she told me, she says, well, you got your Boy Scout deed for the day. <laughs> That's not why I did it, ma'am. You needed help. <laughs> so keeping books. We got a new view about ourselves. We are the children of Adam, fallen children of Adam. We got a new view about grace. It became more than just a word and a dictionary. It became an event in our soul. Grace, unmerited favor. We got a new view about sin. We got a new view about the Bible. It's more than just 66 books with some stories. Oh, there's a few good pages, but the rest are just stories. We got a new view about the Bible. We found out in regeneration that this is the word of God. And you know what? I don't have to argue about it. I don't have to convince a soul. God convinced me. God convinced me that this is his word. It will not pass away, and people won't believe it. <laughs> they won't believe it unless I convince them. That's what he says. Unless I convince them, they won't believe it. That prophet Isaiah says, how long should I preach <laughs> until the, the city is destroyed, till there's nobody left? They won't hear you, though. That's what he said to Ezekiel. That's what he said to Jeremiah. You preach, but they won't hear you. The only way they'll ever hear is when he quickens us. Now, he'll take the old man to the cross and kill him, and he'll resurrect the new man. If any man be in Christ, he is a new creation. New creature, new creation. Behold, old things have passed away. Behold, let me get this right. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. All things are become I don't have to convince anybody of the sovereignty of God. I don't have to convince anybody of grace and salvation. I don't have to convince anybody of Christ being the Son of God, virgin born. I don't have to convince anybody that God created the heavens and the earth in six days and rested on the seventh. All we have to do is just say what God gave us. And if he pleases, he'll do the same to them as he did us. He will resurrect us. And in that resurrection, all things will become new. And they'll say, you know, I don't understand why I didn't believe you before. <laughs> and we know, because that's what we could have said to anybody else. I don't understand. Uh, it's so simple. It's so simple. The word is the word, and God said it, and it's so simple. But it isn't to per a person that's still trying to be alive in the flesh. So he takes and kills us. Now, I just want to go back over there to Revelation chapter 6 for just a moment. My time is up. Verse 9, chapter 6 and verse 9. I saw under the altar the souls of them that were slain for the word of God and for the testimony which they held. And they cried with a loud voice, saying, How long, O Lord, holy and true, dost thou judge, not judge, and avenge our blood on them that dwell on the earth? 
Boy, we deal with people every day. And some of them just don't have a bit of use for Christianity, the Word. And a lot of people's lives have been given. I'm not going to say cut short because they weren't. <laughs> they met their appointed time. But when we there, God, how long are you going to put up with what this world is? How long are you going to put up with how the world's going? How long are you going to put up with all the nonsense? Everybody raising their fist against you until I got the last elect one out. Then you watch. Then you watch. Yeah, I'll wrap this up. They'll stand before me in judgment. And those that I chose before uh, the foundation of the world will be on my right hand. And those on the left hand, those, I'll say I never knew you. And they'll be judged. On the other side, welcome to the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. You didn't have anything to do with it, but I'm giving it to you. And then that last verse, and it says, And white robes were given unto every one of them. And he just said unto them that they should rest for a little, while, for a little season until their fellow servants also and their brethren that should be killed as they were, should be fulfilled. There's an appointed time, and I'll take care of this business in the appointed time. God's work of grace goes on when he takes his lost sheep, religious to the core, and slays them so he can raise them and regenerate them. A lot of terms used in the scripture. He told Israel, Oh, twice that I found, I haven't given you a heart to believe. And they just floundered. But the ones, Joshua and Caleb, with all the pressure put on them by all their family and friends to give up their faith in the Lord, what did they do? No, 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 no. And they took up stones to stone them. And God protected them. He killed them so that they could be alive and testify. All right.